So I'm sitting here 10 minutes after 2 o'clock, ready to rock and roll. Harrison, he, uh, he said he was going to be late. And then he said he was ready, and then I said I was going to be late. But I wasn't ready. I mean, I was ready, but I wasn't late. I've been sitting here the whole time. And he said, text me uh, when you're ready. And I immediately uh, texted him. Uh, it said, ready. But he's not ready. So I think I'm just going to take this show on the road. Do it myself. It's time to fly solo. And that way I'm, I'm a lot like, I don't know, Paul McCartney. You know, Beatles are good. Ah, maybe not Paul McCartney. That's a lot to say. Maybe Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Simon Garfunkel did great things, but there would have been no Graceland if... Paul Simon and Garfunkel didn't just... Oh, wait, there he's in. How is it going? Uh, I... Didn't you get my text? No. Just the one where you called uh, me pathetic. Yeah, and then you said, I'm ready, and I said, I'll be a few late. And then you called me a mean name. I was a title. And then you said you were gonna. Then you said you were gonna bother your secretary, and I immediately said I was ready. I didn't see that. Oh, obviously you must have thrown down your phone and ran out. I'm sorry. I'm not like you millennials that are always on the phone. Except you are on Twitter. All right. So, are we gonna do law and gospel? We're gonna do law and gospel. Let's do All right. it. Hello, Internet. We are the Uncultured Saints here to talk to you today about law, gospel, and whatever shiny object distracts us at any given point in time. I am Pastor Goodman, and joining me this day is, is Pastor Eli from Colorado. Yes. No, it's Pastor Lietzow. Remember, we kind of went over this before. Uh, I like it that way, but, but I, I, I want to make you feel comfortable. Well, no, I do actually feel comfortable. I'm not a... I'm not a legalist like you. So. <laughs> because I'm a legalist, uh, I'm going to cover the law and you're going to cover the gospel. Is, is that just it? Well, that's pretty much how it always works. Can so. we do voices? Like a law voice and a gospel voice? Like when you're reading your kids a story and you have to, to do the voices. Like, uh, like, let's do Rocky and Bullwinkle. Nice. Because everybody listening will know who Rocky and Bullwinkle is. Yeah, just killing it with the timely references. Um, <laughs> preach a sermon that way for me, though, will you? Like, every time you, you drop into the law, put on um, clearly Bullwinkle. Bull, yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. And, and, and the gospel belongs to our Lord and Rocky. And Rocky, right. Uh, look, look that up, folks. Look it yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and while you're doing that, um, because we're just throwing terms out there that... that um, don't mean much um, until you define them. Maybe we should actually talk about what the law and the gospel are before we start distinguishing between them. Well, and no, I think that's probably a good thing to do because uh, along with everything else that we've done, I think 
so far is we'll get lost in muddy waters if we don't actually have correct terms, correct terminology. Right. When you when you read the formula of Concord, I think in every single section, at least most of them, there's actually a, a part, there's a handful of paragraphs where it's subtitled clarification of terms. Because if we don't have the clarification of terms, then everybody's going to walk around thinking that we all are saying the exact same thing. So for instance, gospel for, for one, um, gospel can mean the entirety of scripture. Right. So like the gospel according to St. Matthew. Exactly. And so you're where reading Jesus, the... Yes. Yeah, says, yeah. woe to you because you're going to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is exactly. the gospel of our Lord. That's, that, this Jesus is the gospel of Christ. Isn't that odd? Do you ever feel bad reading like one of those really condemnatory parts and then closing on that? That's the, yes, I was just going to bring that up. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a third of the time. And I found out, I found yeah. out again with, with you, with you uh, legal, legalistic pietists who, who run this uh, one-year lectionary <laughs> stuff. This is the first time I've done the one-year lectionary. And like a third of the time, the gospel, uh, the gospel lesson, according to St. Whomever, uh, is ending with, and you'll die in your sin. <laughs> and then I say, thus is the yeah. gospel of, of the Lord. Lord. And just smile. Praise be yeah. to thee, O Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's the wide sense of the gospel. Wide it is sense. the entire narrative of Christ, which includes both um, law and gospel. Yes. But, but it, by it, law it, and it, gospel, gospel in the narrow sense. Correct. And in the same way, uh, when... When you're looking, especially the Old Testament, I think it is, uh, we we have Torah there a lot, um, but it's not it's law. never it's never translated Torah. It's always translated law in the Old Testament. But there's Torah, and then there's a word for law as well. Uh, Torah means basically the uh, the it, it's the wide sense. It's the revelation. It's it's the entire uh, uh, counsel of God uh, presented to, to, to Moses there. So it, it, it includes narrow sense law and narrow sense gospel. So when we're speaking about law and gospel, we have to make sure that almost all the time, every single time when a, when a Lutheran is speaking about law and gospel, he's not speaking about either of them in the wide sense, not the, not the law as in Torah wide sense, not the gospel as in the gospel wide sense. We're talking about the narrow sense of both of them, law and gospel. And that's what we're actually doing to, today as well. That's what they were focusing on most in the formula of Concord. Chances are when you're talking to your friends, that's what you're going to be talking about most as well. But if you find yourself getting lost uh, in muddy waters and, and, and people uh, don't really understand what you're saying, you might want to actually take a second to, to say, hey, when, I'm, when I say law, I mean this. When I say gospel, I mean this. Did you ever actually say that? My Jesus necklace was jingling, so I took it off um, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't jingle on the microphone. Did you ever actually define so what the narrow senses of law and gospel are? No, I didn't. I where, just... where are crucifix? Where... No, I, I'm not going to go there. No. Um, so so <laughs> the law, in the narrowest sense, is the Ten Commandments. It's, it's that which God has given us to do. It's the way that things are supposed to be. The world would be great if everybody lived according to the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. So, so the law is, is something, whenever we hear it uh, in Scripture, law in narrow sense. And from here on out, I'm not going to say narrow sense. 
the law is the uh, that which God demands from us. Mm. So the law demands, and if you don't fulfill, the law will also threaten punishment. Mm-hmm. So and uh, the law, I guess it offers. It does offer salvation, but not really. I mean, if you're perfect, it if does. You're, but... If you're perfect, it does. Exactly. But right, again, so it's it's a list of all of the things that should and must be done. And we right, don't have to... Even... Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Um, so you're, you're kind of talking about what the law is, but you're also talking about what the law does. And it gets kind of weird because I know what it's supposed to be because the law is not a bad thing. It comes from a good God. Things go better when I get it. But when we talk about what the law does, it has three functions or, or uses or, or a curb, a mirror, and a guide, depending on who your, your confirmation teacher is. Um, because God gives it for three good uses. He has three good intentions that he will work from his law. He will, he will curb outward sins. Um, he, he will mirror me so that I know that I'm funny looking and a sinner and I need help. And, and he will guide me because love does actually look like something, right? And, and we can pick those. Should we pick those apart at least a little bit? Well, I don't think we have to pick the last one apart because we don't like the third use of the law. I love the third <laughs> use of the law. No, I meant, um, I meant we're covering it next week because that's the next article. The, so so yeah. I, we don't have to cover it that much this week. Oh man, we we you don't want to do like eight episodes on. No, I don't. I should cut that out. <laughs> yeah, you really should. Cut it. <laughs> cut it out. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, Joey. Keeping it to house. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you believe Uncle Joey in real life was? Uh, was married to Alanis Morissette. Nobody knows who either of those people are. Well, maybe not married, but but they were an item. And then she, on her Jagged Little Pill album, uh, wrote uh, one of her biggest hits about him and breaking up with him. Was it ironic? No. It wasn't ironic at all. And it wasn't the song ironic. Was it like Ray Yang on your wedding day? Nope. No. Because that's that's ironic. Yeah, I know. That's the only song of her I know. Yeah. I know I don't like her at all. <laughs> I don't like any of her music. Okay. But I just know we're, that we're she... We're just going to uh, talk about her for a while. More in no, Jesus. We're ta- no, we're not. We're talking about... Uh, we're talking about Uncle Joey on Full House. <laughs> Cut it out. Oh, There's a that new is, Full House, but I haven't seen it. Wait, I don't care. No, too. hold on. Yeah, stop that. No. It, it's crazy noise. Uh, full circle... Uh, what was one of uh, Uncle Joey on Full House? What was one of his voices that he always did? It was Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> this is, this is. It's uh, all it's coming to together. It's meant to be. I didn't even plan that. It's all coming together. That's okay. fantastic. Um, curb. What's the curb, sir? The curb. Uh, it's that thing in front of my yard that keeps you from driving on it, or at least makes it harder for you to to drive on it. Uh, Ninety nine point nine percent of the people won't drive on. Right. Because um, the thing is, the, the curb is your conscience, which you can kill. Like, you can murder your conscience. You can, you can stop that shadow of the law that is written in all men's hearts, not just Christians, but all people, um, by just doing dumb stuff over and over again until it doesn't bother you anymore. But still, the curb exists for all people because God's law is, is so 
absolute, that you don't even have to be a Christian to recognize there are certain moral truths. It's bad to kill people. It's bad to steal things. There should be committed relationships. Now, you can certainly come to the point where you've concluded otherwise through practice and repetition, but the curb exists to keep you as a child of God safe in this world so that people don't drive on your lawn, and by drive on your lawn, I mean kill you. Yeah, but what what keeps people from from breaking the law in that reason punishment or in that way exactly so so the curb it's it's only about punishment right i mean i i don't drive down the sidewalk when there's a traffic jam in a school zone uh, in a school zone basically because of punishment or right. because of the threats of the law i'll go if to jail i'll wreck my kids, car you don't want punishment uh, i don't want punishment yeah and but who cares yeah. about those kids well Jesus does. That's why he gives them the law, so that those kids would be protected from the sinner that you are. See, the law is good. It, it, it's a it's painful good. thing, but it is a good thing. And the second yeah, so use of the law, it, the, the probably even the, the chief use, because it's the one that always keeps popping up, is that it's a mirror. The law shows me the way things are supposed to be, and now that I know the way that things are supposed to be, when I look at myself, I find something out. I'm not the way I'm supposed to be. I'm a sinner. Yeah. The law that, shows that's us a, our sin. That's the the most proper use, I, I, I think, right? Yeah. Maybe we'd say that. Maybe right. we wouldn't. I don't know. Lutherans say that's the most important use. Right. What about, because that I don't like the mirror because it makes me look bad. What if I like grabbed some stuff from the Old Testament and said, these are laws. And, and since we don't do them, um, obviously none of the rest of the, the whole book applies. Like, I mean, obviously um, your clerical pastor is made out of polyester, which is a mixed fabric. Um, and so even as you would preach to me purity, it's against it's Old Testament law to. to nope. No, why? It's cotton. What, it's cotton. what are you talking about? So we just it's pick cotton. out the ones we don't like and get rid of them. That's what I'm doing. No, too. it's cotton. I I wear only cotton. It's they don't make cotton clericals. <laughs> You're a liar and a thief. Um, <laughs> I want a cotton clerical. Um, it's it's polyester and it's terrible. Um, now my lumberjack shirts, those on the other hand, are cotton. Yeah. Yeah. Now breathable fibers. Now what about those those laws that had the ceremonies? Uh, the the shellfish, the woman outside the camp, the 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 sacrifices. What about all of those? Yeah, they were good. Why? Old Testament. Why? I mean, they were set they were set aside. They they were the ceremonial laws to uh, to keep people ceremonially clean, to keep everybody ceremonially clean. Well, why don't we still do them? We don't do them because they have been, they, along with everything else, have been fulfilled in Christ. So right. when you look at the Old Testament, you've got, again, now I'm going to bring out three more uses of the law. So, so yeah, just stick with me, but you're not going to. You've, you've already, you, you were lost with Rocky and Bullwinkle and Alanis. It's been downhill since then. It's, everybody just shut off. <laughs> except, except, except our, our friends. No, They're like, they yeah, Uncle you. Joey, I get it. They, they stopped listening uh, so, so anyways, uh, so the Old Testament's got the law, right? Uh, and it had three different types of law as well. It, it had the ceremonial law, it had the political law, mm -hmm. and it had the moral law, right? And the only one that that still stands, it's still appropriate, uh, is the moral law. 
Right, so it's not that we're picking and choosing. It, it's actually that Jesus himself w- would speak this way, con- saying that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and so he eats then. It would it'd be that Paul speaks this way in Colossians chapter 2, when he writes, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, there is the moral law that tells you how things are supposed to be, and that never passes away, because things are still supposed to be that way. Murdering is never good. Um, but there are also, there, there were in the Old Testament laws that were there only to teach because the law is also a revelation of the lawgiver. Um, and so all of those, those rules that, that have passed away were pointing to Jesus. And now that we can actually look at Jesus, we don't need those things anymore. Exactly. And who wants to live without bacon? Well, no one. It's the second best part about the, the, the faith that we have. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's the second best part about the pig. Because it's the first best part. It's the part first best the, part about, about the, the pig. pig. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there's... Not, not, what, well, clarify. Hmm. Not, not Canadian bacon. That's called ham. And it's from Canada. It's over two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not from Canada. Huh? Go ahead. So the no, law, though, it, it's a revelation of the lawgiver. We, we, when we recognize that the, the part of the law that still stands today is the moral law, and I can never deal with the moral law without part of me dying because the law shows me my sin and the wages of sin is death. I don't like dealing with the law that makes me feel like a sinner. And so I'll try and do away with it any way that I can. But here, here we can recognize, though, the law isn't just given to frustrate you. It's given to actually teach you about who your God is. There's a rule, there's a law in my car. Um, it's an extra commandment. The, t- the first ten apply, but there's, a, there's an eleventh, and it's thou shalt not listen to country music. Um, it, it's, it's, it's condemnable. Um, and, and in receiving it's this good, law from me, you can law. learn something about me. I have good taste. Yes. Um, but you live in Texas now, so that's going to be a rough going. Yeah, it was rough for Abraham too, but he went all over. Um we talked about that. We uh, did. We, 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 we couldn't keep it, but uh, we talked yeah. about that. So <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with this. So here's the thing. When God gives you the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. He's telling you something about himself. It's, it's the Torah. It's the revelation. God actually wants to be your God. When he gives you the fifth commandment, don't murder, he says, I actually care about your life so much that I want to see it protected. The law actually tells you about the lawgiver. You can learn about who God is, how good God is from the thing. So that when I see the law and it makes me feel bad and I want to chuck it out and say God is a, a hypocrite or God is a bigot or God is, is mean, I can look at the thing and say, well, actually, no, I'm going to read through these things and this is actually how I would like to be treated. I would like to not be shot or, or stolen from or cheated on or gossiped about. I, I would like to, to have healthy family relationships. Um, so, so maybe God's not so bad. The law tells me about who God is. It just can't save me. Because it's not the fullness of who God is either, is it? That's the gospel. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we're, no, we're coming back go around there. to that. Oh, come on. Fine. Your face. So tell me about the... Exactly! The gospel! <laughs> so the, the gospel... Uh, well, it's the opposite of the law. <laughs> What no, uh, like I said, okay, so well, like I said earlier, 
the the law uh, puts forth things that I must do. Uh, it puts forth demands, and that it uh, threatens punishment if I don't keep those things. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of other ones, and I'm sure my homiletics professor, uh, uh, Professor Fikensher, would yell at me for not knowing all ten of them. I don't know if he knows uh, how to yell. He's head. always so happy. Yes, he's a jolly, jolly man. I love that. Uh, but then, but then the gospel. On the other hand, it never threatens punishment. Mm. There's no threats whatsoever from the gospel. Right. Uh, it also doesn't demand anything from you. And it also uh, doesn't say you must do X, Y, and Z. And in fact, it says uh, this has been done in Christ. And it's been done in Christ uh, for, your, for, you, for you, for your good, on your behalf. And his righteousness is, is yours. Right. So the gospel is Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. The gospel is Jesus who was delivered out for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The, the gospel is Jesus who for our sake was made to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel says it's already done. The law says do this, but the gospel says it's finished. Exactly. So when, so when you are, are reading scripture... You can actually divide the entirety of Scripture into law and gospel. From, from beginning to end, it's going to fall into one camp or the other. And it's either law or it's either gospel. The thing is, it's not just that you can do this. It's that you almost have to. When, when you confuse that you, law and gospel, you rob all comfort from the Scriptures. It's not, and, and I'm going to, you corrected me, I'm going to correct you. It's not as if you almost have to. If you want to... <laughs> If you want to be a theologian, uh, if you want to actually hear what God has to say, then you then you must. These things must be properly distinguished and properly discerned. Otherwise, you're hearing things uh, incorrectly. Uh, you're bringing law where there is none. You're bringing gospel where it shouldn't be. You're mingling them all together. You're losing everything. And it's just a, a giant mess of shenanigans. I'm going to correct you. It's not shenanigans. It's tomfoolery. Tomfoolery, yeah. It probably is. All right. So um, who's, who's given then to, to start to f- help us sort through law and gospel? Well, pastors. Right. Should be. I, I mean, that, that's I, where it starts. Because I can sit there with the, the book and, and read through it and convince myself that I should be a better person. But... Although Luther, Luther, interestingly enough, uh, he says, uh, and I think this is right. It, it, it has to do with, uh, I think it has to do with this understanding of faith and kids and can have faith and Absolutely. believe in the things of Jesus. But Luther will say uh, that to, to be a theologian, the only thing you need uh, to be a, a proper theologian is to be able to to distinguish between law and gospel. And he says uh, a, a five-year-old can do that. We've been and down he'll also say, well, And then he'll also say, uh, and yet this is something that, uh, that you're going to struggle with, and the most learned men uh, for their entire lives are going to struggle with this and mingle them together incorrectly uh, until they die. Dope. Yeah. So, so you got that going for you. 
Right. Um, but it, it really does matter. Um, because I can say uh, Jesus helps those who help themselves, um, which I, I hear from things that disguise themselves as churches. But what's the problem with that statement? Uh, it was Benjamin Franklin, and it wasn't in Scripture. Also, where's law and gospel in that? <laughs> well, it, it's it's mingled. Or, it's I mean, speaking... if you want to stick with Scripture, fine. I guess we could do yeah, that. I, um, no, so, maybe we should. So let's let's do a, a softball then. There was a man um, who... I much prefer Benjamin Franklin's other quote uh, that speaks about the goodness of God. And beer. Uh, And beer, yeah. Just give it a quote. We can't use that one. (laughs) No, I'm leaving that there. Um, So so there was a man who found a pearl of great price, um, and he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I can preach a a law sermon and a gospel sermon from this that are completely opposite. Well, yeah, so that that actually actually sounds a, a lot like me. Because I've given up everything that I've ever had uh, uh, for Jesus. And I do it every single day because uh, I understand how good he is mm-hmm. uh, and, and how valuable he is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, every single day uh, I give everything up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go. I, I, no, I, I understand. I go back to my house. I have a roof yeah. over my head. Oh. And I drive a car mm-hmm. and I have clothes. And I know that sometimes I eat out. Are you tithing and 10%? Well, no, yeah, uh, that's not uh, that's none of your. Let business. the left hand not know what the right hand is doing. See, yeah. this is the problem with the, with preaching the law sermon is it condemns. Now, how about this? Jesus f- saw you a treasure, even though you were a sinner. He saw you as being worth such that he would give up everything that he had, even his own life, just to purchase and win you, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, that you would be his own and live under him in his kingdom. That's the gospel. That sounds. Sounds pretty good. And there, it's already done. The law says, do this. The gospel said it is already finished. And in one of those, there is comfort. And in one of those, there is only frustration and excuse. And you can't leave. And this is this is part of the issue, too. You can't leave uh, the terrified uh, sinner uh, in his sin. You, you can't give him more law. And so that's not to be said that necessarily that that pearl of great price shouldn't be heard in such a way of uh, Jesus is uh, this wonderful pearl. He is uh, so amazing. And uh, yeah, I probably uh, should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. I'm going to throw a flag on the play because Jesus isn't the object. He's the subject. No, I know my my point is— I know, but I want to pick at your point because I don't like you as a person. That's— that's a fair. That's fair. Um, and I lost my train of thought now because now I sound like a legalist because you cut me off. That's what and you didn't let me actually finish this. Sinner, sinner, chicken dinner. Sinner, sinner, chicken dinner. But this is so. This is what the law does. If the law threatens, if the law reveals God's wrath, if the law terrifies, it's the law. That that's how you know. It tells you how things are supposed to be, and you, you recognize then terror, wrath, punishment, frustration. Well, and with that parable, that it doesn't does it if if you if it's preached in a law sort of way, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't that end up terrifying? It it does. It has to because I know that I haven't given up everything. Right. My my point in this is that if that's the only 
way that that is preached. If that's what your your pastor does, he climbs up into the pulpit and preaches how this should have been done a long time ago. And if it hasn't been done yet, you better do it now. And then he leaves you there. Then you're going to be left uh, with a terrified conscience and you're going to be left in your sin. You're going to be left only with the preaching of the law. Well, a terrified sinner uh, should never be left with only the law to continue to terrify him or to try and comfort him. He needs that gospel. Right. So he needs he needs that proclamation of, no, 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 no. Jesus is that man who went and bought the field. He's the man who bought the pearl of great price. He's the one who's done it all for you. Right. And the other side of that is true, too. Like, if there is somebody who says, it, does, it doesn't matter at all what I do or who I hurt or that I keep sinning, because after all, I'm sure that there's forgiveness. Only God can judge me. They shouldn't hear the gospel. They should actually hear the law. Where there, where there is absolute security what? in sin, we say, now, hang on. How's this going for you? This, this will end poorly. This will end in hell. And what, what gospel really is there for, for that person? Right, that's I the mean, coolest part. It, it's, if, if you don't think you're a if, sinner, there is no such thing as forgiveness. Well, and that, exactly. And then the cross has to, has to turn into something else. Right. Right? Because, because it's, a, it's that objective fact. It's there in Scripture. It's, it's not one of those things where we can just gloss over. So if, if it's not, if Jesus and his cross is not there... Uh, for the true gospel purpose of forgiving my sin, taking it away, atonement sort of stuff, right? Paying the price for all that I, uh, I have done and have left undone. Uh, if, if that's not what the cross is, then I've got to do something else with that cross. I've got to sit there and say, okay, so why is there a dead guy on a cross? That's a fair question. And then that gets into some sketchy places. Right, because if the whole point is what would Jesus do, um, die on a cross is hopefully where you're going with it. I don't, I don't want to end up there. I don't. That's why he went, so I wouldn't have to. Um. <laughs> but not if there's no law. Right. I mean, right, he, he's going he's gonna to turn into, at best, at best, Jesus is going to be uh, a great example uh, of what I have to do, I don't like that. Right, because that's... I don't want to end up there. You're, you're turning the gospel into law, which means all of God's promises stop being promises and they start being burdens. Because they're not finished anymore. You still have to do something with them. All the stuff he said is finished. You're like, no, and how can I repeat this or do this better or even copy this? Um, when, when we turn the gospel, that Jesus did this for you, and to somehow you must do this, there is no more comfort. None whatsoever. It, 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 it turns the cross into something that it, it never was. Uh, either, like you said, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be something that I have to do. Mm-hmm. But, but for, the, uh, for the antinomian out there, another big word, we've used that before, the, the one against the law, right? Well, and I understand where it would come from because the law makes me feel bad. So obviously let's do away with it. We're, we're, we're loving people. So let's only talk about Jesus and never talk about right and wrong again, right? Well, be, well we, th- we think, exactly. We think that Jesus came to do away with the law, not to fulfill the law. 
And it, it, it might sound like that's semantics, but it's not. It's, it's those are real important things. If he came to do away with the law, then that means that the law has nothing to say to me anymore. At most, it has something to say to the world. Right? It, it'll, it'll, it'll retain that curb part so that I don't drive on my neighbor's lawn because I don't want to go to jail. It, at most, it'll do that. But it's not going to do anything for the Christian. It speaks nothing for the Christian. But then that also means that, uh, that hey, the cross has got to turn into something else well, because Jesus is still dead up there. So, so what's it going to turn into? It's going to turn into one of two things. Okay. No, I thought you were going to answer. Oh, you cut I, I just think it turns into something nondescript. Like, it, when when the cross doesn't actually mean that sin is forgiven because you don't want to talk about right and wrong and you don't want to talk about the law and you don't want to talk about the sin, the, the gospel sort of degenerates into such a generic, shapeless form of love that I can make it fill whatever container I want it to at that point in time. And so I can say we're all about love, just the problem is that love changes depending who I'm talking to, changes um and, and never actually manages to keep people from being hurt. There's exactly, there's nothing there whatsoever to define love. Uh, it's just God the Father has love for us. See, Jesus. Okay, if there's no sin, then how is that love? How is a, a dead guy on a cross love if there's no sin? If, if he climbs up there as just an example, ah, Gosh, that's I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's that's not good. If if he's not on that cross for the atonement, it, it, meaning he's taking away my sin, that my sin is on him, the wrath of the Father is met out fully on him because the sins of the world are on him, and then his righteousness is given to me. If that's not what the cross is, and really, the cross is pointless. And that's how it's treated, right? And so we hear a lot of generic expressions like, God is love, so love each other. And then God has no gifts to give you anymore. He has n Except love. But you know who that else has, has... Well, it's the same type of love that the Beatles will give you. Right, and it's all we right? really need. Um... It's love. <laughs> do, 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 do. I love it when you quote the hymnists. But... Uh... <laughs> Ringo's the best. Octopus's Garden. That should have just... ah, That would have stopped any album except Abbey Road. Mm. Like, Abbey Road is a phenomenal album. Mm. And then uh, along comes Octopus's Garden. So, when, when we have this generic-sounding love, it sounds great, but it fixes nothing, and it helps no one, and it saves nothing. You can talk about love like that, but here's the thing. Will you still die? Because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life everlasting in Christ Jesus, who died on the cross to save you, who rose from the dead that you and your baptism would rise too. Love needs to actually look like something in the same way. I've got kids, and I can say all we need in this house is love but if i won't feed them then that helps them for nothing you can't eat love yes you can it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich love looks like something the the peanut butter and jelly sandwich i made for my kids looks like love really that love always looks like something. Go into vocations. You're a preacher. And so even as you tell your people about the sins they don't want to listen to, is that love? 
Love is an angry-looking bald guy in a investments saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, I'm not angry. You're not angry, are you? I'm never angry. I've never seen you angry. I've seen nah. you. No. I've, I've, I've seen you kind of curmudgeonous, but uh, never really angry. Listen, I, I've been frustrated. Yeah. Like back in seminary when we... When we when we couldn't pass Iron Maiden's "Run to the Hills" on Rock Band, <laughs> and that was frustrating, but I wasn't angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> I'm angry uh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I that's my secret, Cap. That's my kids. So um, all right, but but my point though is is that love always does take real genuine shapes um in this life we we see them in our vocations um but we learn about this from the shape that it takes on the cross love has a real meaning it's not a generic expression love is a sacrifice not an emotion and so i can define it not a what love is is a sacrifice not an emotion yeah you didn't say emotion you said emotion <laughs> You might not ever be angry, but you're always mean. <laughs> All right, so when we want to get rid of the law, because it makes me feel bad, there's this problem is that people still hurt me, and I don't like that, and I need to make them stop. And so I'll have to find something to make them stop. And the only thing I've and got like, and is, is the gospel. Yeah, and like you said, I, we we still have the problem, mm. right? And and this is this is this is what uh, philosophers and your friends and Bill Maher and all these other smart people are are trying to figure out because they've done away with this law. And they still have to find a way to make people behave. They still have to find a way to make people behave. They still have to. There's this, as C.S. Lewis would say, there's still this problem with pain. Yeah, a little bit, right? There's still a problem with sin and death. There's still a problem with with uh, myself not doing the things that I know I probably should. And it, there's certainly a problem with people uh, bringing uh, guilt and shame against me because of because of their sin. I don't just uh, slough that off, even if I pretend. So we've got to deal with that somehow, and the only way to deal with it is is the gospel, or we don't deal with it at all. I think that's the real issue, right? So if, if we say law and gospel, that the law tells me what the problems are, say the law diagnoses the disease and the gospel cures it. Um, if you get rid of the law, the only real thing you get rid of is the diagnosis. But getting rid of the diagnosis doesn't get rid of the disease. It just means I have no idea what to do about this anymore. Yeah. That... It, it's, that leaves that exactly. leaves us nowhere, um, and, and then we just sort of say, "Well, let's love our way out of it." And, and I say, "All right, fine. Love your way out of cancer. Love your way out, out of of whatever else is is wrong with you." It doesn't work. Starvation, like I was Ooh. saying earlier, you can't eat love. unless it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm still, I'm still going to say no. How on about that. the Lord's Supper given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins? Boom ah! shakalaka. That's the mic. Got him. And and NBA Jam quote. Sega Genesis, folks, look it One up. One of the three people listening to us was yelling for that the whole time, <laughs> and it took us that long to get there. Man, John Kemp could dunk from the. Th 
three-point line in that game. It's great. So um, I love hearing about Sean Kemp in the 90s, but tell me more about <laughs> antinomians today. What goodness, Anton, do we have much? I mean, we, we I think we've been talking about them for the last 15 minutes. Mm. We just didn't name them as the antinomians. But th- that's, that's the whole problem with, with individuals who <clears throat> have done away with the law. Uh, inevitably, like we said, then they've got to steal, still deal with all of this stuff uh, of sin, but they're not really allowed to call it sin because uh, only the law calls things sin, but it's still there and it's still in their life, so they have to deal with it in another way, and they try and deal with it with the gospel as if the gospel's the thing that's actually going to make me contrite, right? I, I saw this wonderful love, and now I'm going to be a better person, but that that doesn't work either. It never really has. That's where we're at today. Uh, not in the church necessarily so much as, as the rest of the world. We have this cancel culture going on right now where like anytime somebody does anything remotely good and gets famous, we, we go and dig through, and I know you're going to hate that I referenced Twitter again, but uh, we, we, we go and dig through everything that they've ever said on the internet for the last 10 years, and if we find one thing that doesn't match with today's values, we crucify them as as somebody who can no longer be love. Here's the thing. When, when you get rid of the law and you have to sort of love your way into being perfect, well, what do you do when you find somebody who's not perfect? It, to, the cancel culture that we live in today comes from not having a law. It, it's, it's, it comes from saying there's no such thing as truth or morality and then trying to live in kindness in a generic way, except when you find somebody who didn't do it, what do you do to them? Well, then you bring the hammer the of law that doesn't the truth exist and morality anymore. that right. doesn't exist. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I'm exclusively on love. MySpace. I'm exclusively on you, MySpace. Is that a thing still? It's so that people can't dig up anything. Oh, okay. But I mean, this is what we do in the name of love, right? Be more loving like us. Also, you can't have a job anymore. Um, exactly. That's, that's what happens when you try and use the gospel to sort of bring about um, an outward behavior. It doesn't, it, 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 it's the power to do it, but the structure of it comes from the law. The, the power to be holy comes only from the gospel, Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. But the structure of what love actually looks like, that does come from the law. And so when I when I what? go through your MySpace page and I, I find um, I, nothing, nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing there. there. No, no. I mean, what's on MySpace I don't anymore? Know. I I don't even think you could upload videos to that thing. Where do we want to go? I don't know. <clears throat> kind of hit it. Yeah, well, I think we have. This this has gone quick, right. and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Both. <laughs> it is. So with this proper distinction between law and gospel, like I said earlier a a little bit, and and it's important for us to do this, is all of Scripture is and can be divided into law and gospel and must be. And sermons must be as well. And as I'm reading this, uh, as I'm reading Scripture, I must be dividing. And when I'm hearing Scripture, I must be dividing. And the reason for that is if we don't have this proper distinction, and if we're trying to, and we spoke about this already, but if we're, we're trying to, to preach the gospel as the law, or the law is the gospel, we're never ending up where we should we end be, up which is at, at, 
yes, we, we lose the law, we lose the gospel, we're not at the foot of, of the cross receiving Christ's gifts for the forgiveness of sins. All of that's gone. It, it, it might We might still talk about Jesus, and I'm sure we'll talk about his cross because we have to, but for, for the forgiveness of sins is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. So the gospel's gone. And the law's really gone too. I mean, unless you're using it to, to climb your way to heaven. Unless you've turned the law into the gospel, meaning it's your way to heaven. Right. That's works righteousness so, until salvation. Exactly. It's, it's, it's works righteousness. So we've got to properly distinguish this. And we and we have to we have to bring the terrified sinner out of uh, his terror, which means I I don't heap more law no, upon the him. gospel. The gospel is for sinners. Uh, you, Jesus you, is for you. You have exactly. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you, Nicodemus. I'm coming to your house. Right? <laughs> it has to be done that way. Why is that I'm funny? Just imagining you, you tell doing that the BBS to... dance or whatever. I'm going to tell Nicodemus when I get to heaven that you laughed at him. That's what you I said, Nicodemus. That's what you I said, just Nicodemus. said. No, I didn't you say did. Nicodemus. Son of a. I you said, said Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Jesus never went I to meant, his house today. I meant, I meant Zacchaeus. Ha ha, you're a sinner that Jesus died for. Your sins are forgiven you. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that ends this. Ah. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. Keep digging yeah. for yourself. This is going great. <laughs> no, it's just a mess. We'll just end it. All right. Just end it on this low note. Mm. Thank you for your time and, <laughs> and your, your energy and your bearing with our outdated record. I Time out a second. How, why, what energy are you, are you a hippie? Are you telling me you're not more tired after this? I think everybody who had Wait, to listen you... to us for the last bit was probably more tired. They gave up energy. <laughs> Not like you you sent your life force, but you know like at the end of the day That's when you're you helping your like. kids you and like you're, 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 you're just your tired. You're just tired of them. And you're like, go to sleep. Because it's not about how tired you are. It's about how tired you're making me. You, I gave up my energy for you. Um, that, that's what I meant. So, okay, so when they hear your voice, it just drains them of all of their energy. That's how I know I'm doing my job. With the gospel. gospel. And and bring them out of the depths of despair. With Christ, who forgives sins, who who gives life to dead men. Yeah. Yes, and jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so just to summarize then. um, The law is good. The gospel is good. The law shows us what we are to do. The gospel shows us what is already done. Don't mix the two up or you will lose both of them. And, and when you lose both of them, not only do you have no idea how you're supposed to behave, but most, more importantly, you lose Jesus. You lose any comfort that the Bible might give you. You lose any comfort of our religion. And it becomes nothing more than any other religion in the world. And so we can't get mad at people who would say that, that you can be nice without being Christian. Um, because the point of being Christian isn't being nice. The point of being Christian is hearing Jesus forgives you your sins. When, when we end up losing this, that because we want to muddle the two together, we can't be too upset um, at, at somebody who, who would want to sort of just try and be kind. But rather, hear the truth. The, the law in, in all of its sternness, the gospel in all of its sweetness, and hear it over and over and over again. 
because it doesn't get old, even if it gets predictable. That that's fantastic. It. That's all I should it's, ever It's hear. fantastic that it's predictable because you can actually then expect that you Jesus will forgive you your sins. And you can expect that when you are sinning, you wouldn't be told that it's good. Both of those are necessary and both of those are right. And if you don't have that, then then you lose it. There, You might have caught a theme that's going on here. Right? That it seems as if all of our uh, articles that we've been talking about are connected to each other. And Jesus. As if... As, yeah, yeah, as if this is uh, the the one true common faith that uh, has to do with all of these Put things. Put together by people but, smarter than us. But if if you if you lose if you lose the proper distinction between law and gospel, then you lose uh, what we talked about last week, which is good works, and you lose what we talked about the week before, and the week before that, and what we're going to talk about in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with almost every single one of these They're things. Connected. They're connected. They they don't stand alone. Our faith doesn't. Exactly. Good. That kind of covers it. Can I eat my pretzels now? Sweet. (sighs) I've got a peanut allergy. (laughs) Wages of sin. (laughs) All right, Internet. This is the Uncultured Saints. We out. (laughs) 